0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, Hope Church. My name is Carrie Burr. I'm one of the teachers here, and I'm so glad that you joined us for our service today. And I have a question to pose for you this morning. Are you going to take the red pill or are you going to take the blue pill Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, okay, Carrie spent a little too much time in isolation during this winter season. Um, Others of you already know where I'm going. This is a reference to the Matrix movie. And you know what? To be honest, um, I have not seen the latest Matrix movie, so I do not want to get texts from any of you afterwards telling me how I could have extended this metaphor. Um, If you ruin that movie for me, you're dead to me. However, um, I'm going to touch a little bit on the first movie. And you know what? It's over 20 years old. So if I ruin anything for anybody, it's your own fault. You've had had a long time to watch that. So um, in the Matrix movie, if you've seen it, um, there is a character, Neo. And Neo is going through his life and he just feels like something is missing. He feels like uh, there's always just something that he uh, doesn't know what it is, can't put his finger on it, but there's a purpose that he's made for and he just feels like he's missing it. And it turns out that he's right to feel this way because what he doesn't know yet is that he and most of the human race actually have been born into captivity. Um, they, they're they existing in these, um, these little pods and they're being kept alive by machines. And in fact, the reality, the, the world around them that they see and that they know to be True is actually what is called the matrix. It's this digital reality, this something that's kind of uploaded into their mind. So it is not true, it's not real. And so Neo is introduced to uh, these, these people, and these people are trying to explain to him about the matrix and explain to him how to get out of that and how to be free. And so there's this moment in the movie, if you've seen it, where he encounters Morpheus, played by Lawrence Fishburne. And um, Morpheus basically sits across from him and he tells Neo, he says, I know, I know that you believe there's more out there. I know that you feel like something is missing. And you have two options today. And, and he tells him, he holds out his hands and he says, You can take the red pill or you can take the blue pill. And he says, You know what? If you take the blue pill, you can go back to, to living in your fake reality ignorance is bliss, you know, just, just don't worry about it. Live the life you've always known or, or you can take the red pill. If you take the red pill, you're going to be introduced to a reality that you did not know existed and you're going to go deeper down the rabbit hole and it, it might be overwhelming, but the choice is yours. And he tells Neo, the only thing I can offer you is the truth. And so that's the question I want to pose to you today. Are you going to take the red pill or are you going to take the blue pill? See, we're talking about this um, series we're in right now is called, uh, it's about Ephesians and it's talking about being in Christ. And we have been going through this series, Tom and I, and today we're talking about something called the heavenly realms. And I'm going to touch a little bit on a couple things we've already discussed in the last few weeks. Um, and this week, instead of having kind of one core anchor passage, I'm going to be bouncing around a little bit to different verses. Um, in fact, the, the phrase, the heavenly realms in my NIV version, um, it seems to only happen, only occur in the book of Ephesians. Um, but we can see the whole Bible talks about this idea of the spiritual reality, spiritual realms. And so I want to dive a little bit deeper into that today. Um, Ephesians 1, 3, we've already kind of touched on this verse as um, we've gone through this series, but it tells us that we are blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And Tom touched so beautifully last week um, on what all these blessings mean, um, all these blessings that we have. And I want to just dump, jump a little deeper and say, what, what are these heavenly realms? What are these heavenly places? Um, I would say that the the heavenly realms represent not just a future kingdom. I believe they do. They do represent this this kingdom of God, this place that we will live with God after we die. But I believe the heavenly realms also are a spiritual reality that exists right now, that we have access to right now. And I want to explain a little bit more about that. Um, so as we dive deeper, and as we complete this series, this message today, I, we, I want you to keep that thought in mind. Are you ready? to know more? Are you ready to say yes and and to ask God to open your eyes to these other realms? Because much like Neo, I believe that all of us are born with this sense that there's more to this world that we can see. In fact, Um, and I'm not against science at all. In fact, I believe that science and faith really go hand in hand. The more I understand of the science of this world around us, the more, um, it, for me, it points to this God who, who created an intricate reality, an intricate world. Um, so I do not discount that. And yet for me, one of the the pieces that exists in each of us that for me, is a reminder that there's not just a physical reality, but also a spiritual reality, is that there's a part of us that can't be put under a microscope. There's a part of every single one of us. You want to maybe call it our, our essence or our um, who we are, but our soul that cannot be put under a microscope. And as much as we can, you know, study DNA and we can, you know, I was in Walgreens the other day and they had these little, you know, DNA kits where you could find out more about your ancestry. We can find out so many things through our physical, um, through physical science and through understanding, um, again, science and uh, genes and cells. And yet there's something about us, like I said, that cannot be dissected, that cannot be put under a microscope and that part of us, I would say, is the most real part of us, that even though I'm going to change throughout my life, I'm going to get older, um, you know, my, my features may change, but there is a piece of me that I know is never going to fade. Um, and I believe that that is, is one piece of evidence that points to the fact that there is a spiritual reality that we cannot see. Not only that, but I believe that there's more evidence for this, the spiritual realm, because you see, if we believe that God created us and God we know is a spiritual being, um, we are made in his image. We are made um, to be like him. And I don't believe that just means that we look like him physically, but that as, as a mirror of a spiritual God, we also reflect that spiritual nature, that there is something about us again, that we cannot see but that points to the creator that made us, who is unseen. And so if this is true, if, we are, if we, we are aware of this reality, this spiritual reality, then it makes me want to know more about that and find out what the Bible says to us. So let's go a little further down the rabbit hole, shall we? Ephesians 1, 18 through 21, we're going to start here. I want to pause here for a second. Um, he talks about the eyes of our heart being opened, and I believe again this this speaks to the sense that um, we can have physical eyes to see, and God, you know, we can we can see the world around us with those eyes. But God is talking here. Paul is talking about um, the need for our hearts to be opened, our our spiritual eyes to be opened um again tom talked recently about um that praying that the lord would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better and it's this this sense that we're we're able to see a different reality a different realm if you will and that is what paul is calling us to here so we're going to continue on the verse says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, there's our our key phrase again, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Now, if you look at this passage, it's talking about God is seating Christ at his right hand. What does that mean? Now, my Bible commentary explains that the, 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 right hand would be symbolic of a position of supreme honor and divine power. Um, So that is what God is saying, that he he set Christ up in this position of supreme honor and divine power. Um, As a side note, you may think that God you know, he talks about the right hand and you may think, oh my gosh, is God against left-handed people? I assure you he's not. If you have any doubts about that, I will tell you the story of Ehud later. It's a little bit gruesome, but it's still one of my favorite Bible stories. You can ask my kids. Um, but this imagery then is that is that God is giving Jesus power and authority in the heavenly realms. Um, and it, it talks about how um, the heavenly it's in the heavenly realms which are far above all rule and authority power and dominion. so there is some in this heavenly realm um, God has been given or has power and dominion that is greater than any other dominion in any other realm physical or otherwise. Um, so it is this supreme authority. When Christ completed his mission of salvation by dying for us on the cross, God elevated him to his right hand. And so there, again, there's this mystery, um, even in the sense of God conferring power to Jesus and within himself, because we know that God is one. Um, And there's a mystery there. And I think one thing we have to understand as we understand God is that um, there's always going to be a piece of mystery. There's always going to be something we don't understand. And that always is going to call us to, to Seek to know God more deeply, so it's okay for some of this to feel mysterious. But God makes this passage makes it clear um, again that th- there is a dominion that is above every other dominion, and this makes sense even when we look at the life of Jesus. Um, this dual reality of, of dominion in the spiritual realms and dominion in the physical realm, because we we would see Jesus and he would come up to people and he would heal them physically. Um, and one of the reasons that Jesus did that, he said, I'm, I'm healing you so that you may know that I have authority also to forgive sins. So uh, his physical authority um, also reflected his spiritual authority and this, um, this idea that the spiritual realms exist here and now. But it gets better because Ephesians 2.6 tells us this. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And again, I think Tom talked about this a little bit last week, but we were dead in sins and God made us alive in Christ. So it is now that we live in him and through him. And God also raised us up and seated us with Christ in these heavenly realms. Um, There's a book called Seated with Christ. It's actually a reference to this verse in Ephesians. And it's by a woman named Heather Holloman. And she says this about this, this phrase, seated with Christ. I love how she puts it. She says, it's a past tense verb. It suggests something that has already happened to us. We've already been seated in the heavenly realms, yet here we remain in a physical body, in a material world. Paul often put theological truths in the past tense in order to affirm the certainty of them happening at a future date. It's a both now and not yet kind of verb. Just like when Jesus claims the kingdom of God is in your midst in Luke 17:21, we know that the kingdom of heaven has already begun in us right now. The kingdom of God, like our seat in the heavenly realms, will come about in fullness as we enter heaven. But as believers, we are at this very moment part of God's kingdom and seated with Christ. I love how she puts that so well. And I love how she speaks to um, part of why Paul uses that past tense verb there, seated, because he's, he's trying to affirm something, as she said, that is certain. that that is certain to happen, that is is our birthright as children of God. So if we know that that Christ is seated in the heavenly realms at God's right hand, and we know that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, what what now? What what perspective shift does that need to bring about in our lives? First of all, I think this, this brings a shift of our focus. If we realize this reality that, that is greater even than the reality, the physical reality that we see around us, then it, it requires us to change our thinking, to allow God to, to shift our focus and our priorities. It requires us to shift where we're setting our hearts and our minds. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 talks about this. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. And again, there's this combination that Paul is using. He's saying not just set your hearts. You know, this our hearts is represents our our emotions, and I would say our our spiritual desires he's saying, set your hearts and also set your minds, your, your mental, your, your intellectual thinking, um, your practical thinking, both of those together, he wants us to set and focus on heavenly things. Um, in the matrix movie, the people of Zion occasionally have to go back into, um, into the matrix. Um, then I say the people of Zion, these are the people that have been freed from the matrix. And sometimes they have to go back into the matrix, this fake reality, in order to complete a mission or to help rescue someone and free them as well. And when they go back in, they, they see the matrix. You know, it's, it, again, it looks like reality to them. But when they go back in, they go in with this realization that this is not the true reality, that this is fake. And so they, they constantly have their minds set on Zion, their minds set on the reality that they know to be true. So no matter what happens around them, no matter what other people are doing in this, in this reality, their minds are focused on something greater. They know the matrix will pass away. It is temporary. It is not true. And so God asks the same of us. 1 John two fifteen through 17 puts it this way. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, I want to be clear here that God designed the world. He made it to be good, and he made us to be good, and he made us to, to enjoy the world. And we know this if we look at the Genesis creation. That's why God made the earth for, for his pleasure and then for our pleasure. We also see, you know, that when Jesus came and lived on this earth, he enjoyed, he enjoyed food and wine with his disciples. He enjoyed things of this world. And even Paul and Timothy tells us that God richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. So what does this passage mean? Why does it say that we should not love the world or anything in it? I think think it comes down to our hearts. And in that same passage in 1 Timothy 6.17, we're reminded not to put our hope in wealth, even though God provides us with everything for our enjoyment. We are not to put our hope in it. And so I think this this idea here is that when we love the world, if we're so focused on the world and its pleasures and the things that it offers, that's what we start to put our hope in. Without realizing it, we start to to trust in those things and to long for those things more than God, more than his reality. And so this, this passage is reminding us we need to make sure that our hearts are not idolizing the things of this world, that we aren't loving it to the point that, that we're forgetting God and his reality and who he is and what he offers us that this world never can. There's actually someone in the Matrix movie that this happens to. That um, if you've, Again, if you've seen the movie, it's someone who he's been freed and he's, he's been helping the people of Zion, um, but he gets to this point where he just gets tired. He gets kind of fed up with, with reality With what's true because it's hard because he he starts to kind of miss, you know, the easy things of the matrix. He misses, um, you know, the good food and the, um, the prestige. And so he ends up making this deal with the enemy and he tells them, listen, if you will put me back in the matrix, I want to just forget about everything I know about reality. Put me back in ignorance. That's what I want. And he says, you know, maybe, maybe make me someone important. Maybe make me like an actor or something. I want to be rich, but I, I, just, I just want that life back. I don't, I don't want to have to deal with what's hard. And so he, he does. He strikes this deal and he betrays his friends. Um, but it's sad, isn't it? To know if you know the truth, if you know reality, we, we can't go back. We can't, we can't keep going back. And so this is a constant battle that I know I face personally, this, this draw that we sometimes have to, to focus on the world and to, to want things to be easy. Um, And God says, you know what, whatever you think you have in this world, it's, it's, it's temporary, it's fleeting. It's not going to last. As that passage that we just read talks about the world and its desires are going to pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And that's Powerful. And God wants us to realize, like Neo did in The Matrix, that these prestigious jobs, the roles, the, the, the money, it's temporary. They're going to pass away too. So we have this perspective shift where we're focusing on God's kingdom. We're focusing on his reality. And the second perspective shift that I think is important for us to know is that we are already equipped in the heavenly realms. Not only are we seated there with Christ, but we are fully equipped in the heavenly realms. So God, again, in the beginning of time, he created us and he made this world to be good. But we know that after the fall, um, that Satan came in and things were broken. And now it, it, the Bible says that Satan is the, the ruler of the air. He's, he has authority in this earth to influence. And that means that we're in a battle, right? It means that, um, that we are... In a struggle, and, and sometimes these, the things that we face, the doubts, the, the insecurities, the, the difficulties, sometimes they're a reflection of, of that, that struggle that we have in the heavenly realms with our enemy. And Ephesians 6.12 makes it clear that our battles are not against the things that we can see. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. Morpheus explains this to Neo in the movie as well. He says, the people that you see in the matrix, they aren't the enemy. The real enemy in, in the matrix is this machine that's machine driven world that's taken over. The enemy also operates within the matrix. And so they have to always be alert because, because the, the matrix can use different people as part of its plan, as part of its scheme. So we're supposed to be alert. We're supposed to be aware that the enemy is active, but God does not send us into the battle unarmed. In fact, he gives us, um, I'm not going to go through the whole passage. I would love for you to read this on your own in the future, but the, the Bible says we are armed with the belt of truth buckled around our waist. We have the breastplate of righteousness in place. Our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We have the shield of faith, we have the helmet of salvation, and we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of god and I cannot encourage you enough to spend more time in god 's Word um, to know his Word um, and to spend time with him because that is what that is where we access these um, this armor that God offers to us in the heavenly realms and once again, it reminds me of the Matrix movie because if you 've seen it, you know um, when when the people, when the freed people from Zion have to go back into the matrix, they don't ever go unarmed. In fact, they are able to um, like upload programs into their um, into their brain that allow them to, uh, to like know different kinds of um, martial arts tactics. And I think like, one of the most ridiculous lines in the whole movie is when Neo is getting an upload and he, and he like his eyes pop open and he says, I know Kung Fu. And I always laugh. I always think it's, like the craziest line, but the point is, they they are not going into the matrix unprepared. They they have these um, these like again martial arts. They 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 know how to fight. They know how to go into combat, and they also are able to go in with like an arsenal of guns and weapons, whatever it is that they need for the mission that they're going for. And the same thing is true of us. God does not send us into this battle unprepared. We are seated with Christ, and we are fully equipped with everything we need. To stand our ground when the day of evil comes, I think that's really powerful for us to remember. Um, I think this helps us in our even just in our practical everyday lives. First of all, that recognition that um, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. I, I was reading a book recently, I think by Jenny Allen, and she talked about how she and her husband would sometimes get in these you know these big arguments, and. They would almost like stop somewhere in the middle and they would just look at each other and be like, this isn't about us, is it? This is like, I don't even know where we started fighting or why. This is clearly the enemy trying to get in and and cause division and cause... um, you know, disunity among us, and so for them, to, for her, to be able to stop and say, whatever, whenever I'm getting into these heated arguments or I'm feeling this frustration, to stop and say, my battle is not against him, my battle is not against her, my battle is not against that person on Facebook, my battle is against someone that is unseen in the in the spiritual realms, and and, and to be able to shift that and to see our enemy and to know, and then also to realize that God has equipped us, um, and says when you start to feel those battles happening, you're not alone. I've given you weapons. I've given you what you need. And not only that, I think, I think sometimes we look at this uh, passage and we kind of have this sense that we're going into battle alone, like us against the world, us against this, um, you know, the, the heavenly realms. And, and I don't believe that that's what God intends for us either. If we, if we look a little further, Ephesians 3.10 says this, His intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purposes that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So, when I look at this passage, and I believe it's telling us partly that we're not alone. Our battle is not meant to fight solo. And this, this passage refers to the body of Christ, the church. And as a whole, God is revealing his, his many and varied wisdom to the authorities in the heavenly realms through the church, through us as a collective body. And that is this beautiful image. We do not fight alone. God does not send us out alone. Um, I keep hearing, I keep um, Over the last couple of weeks, I feel like this message has been coming up for me again and again that we were not made to be isolated. We are not made to, uh, again, to to take up whatever the battles we face um, our fears, our anxieties, our addictions, our our anger. We, We aren't meant to fight those by ourselves. God has put us in the body of Christ for a reason. And together in this body, we support each other, we encourage each other, we stand together, we fight together, and we are able to face the enemy. And I, I, again, I just think that God is, is so beautifully reminds us of that. We are here in the body of Christ. We are here in the church, and it is through his church that he's revealing his wisdom. Okay, so where does this leave us? We've talked a little bit about the spiritual realms and, and kind of um, what they are and, and how we need to shift our perspective to really understand and, and ask God to open our eyes to see what's really happening. So what now? Where does this leave us? What's the harm in taking the blue pill, you might think? What's the harm in just kind of like ignoring, ignoring the heavenly realms and just focusing on the physical? And again, I think for some of us it's easier to just keep doing the things we've always done, to kind of live according to the world's rules, um, maybe just keep numbing ourselves and, and not have to deal with this heavenly realm because it sounds difficult, right? It sounds like a hard reality. And maybe we're tempted to do that. But what might we be missing if we don't ask God to open our eyes and show us this other realm? What might we be missing if we don't take that red pill? As long as we're only focused on the world, we're going to keep pouring our lives into things that are temporary, that are going to pass away. This world and its desires are are going to pass away, but we know that God's kingdom, his heavenly reality will stand forever. And God promises us that everything we do in his name and for his glory, even the suffering that we go through is achieving for us an eternal glory that's never gonna fade or perish or spoil. It's gonna last. There is something far more powerful about allowing God to open our eyes and, and see his kingdom and live in that. And God tells us that, there is fruit, even here on earth, the things that we do matter, the things that we do, the love that we have for others. When we live rooted in Christ and in his kingdom, there is fruit for that that's going to last. There's, there is fruit. Nothing here on earth is wasted when we're living in light of this heavenly realm, in light of the kingdom of God. So to wrap it up here, When Neo's mind was freed from the the matrix, it was hard. It was a hard reality. And God reminds us in this world, we will have trouble. But God has overcome this world. And in Christ, we are more than conquerors. So I'm just going to wrap up today with this idea that God wants to open our eyes to a spiritual reality where we are already seated with Christ and fully equipped for life's struggles. You are seated with Christ and you are fully equipped in him. So are you ready to ask God to show you more? God, um, I know that there is so much about you and about uh, the heavenly realms that are a mystery to us. And I ask that you would continue to open our eyes, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you more and to have a deeper understanding of your spiritual realms and this, this heavenly realm that we have access to. And I pray for each and every person this week, um, that as we, as we go through our lives and our struggles and the people that we encounter with, that you would continue to remind us that there is something greater than what we can see and that we have access to so much more in you. May you help us. May you walk through this world with us. Um, and may you just continue to show us how we can live our lives rooted in you. We love you. Amen.